that talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Welcome back to the Wednesday Buckeye Talk. Doug Nathan, Stephen, talk to Ryan Day and Ryan Day only on Tuesday. Not a good press conference for Kerry Combs, Ryan Day. Multiple opportunities to sort of give a vote of confidence to Kerry Combs, and he did not do that. Not surprising, but it matters. We'll get into that, but I know like we've sort of been walking around in that muck for since the game ended because everybody knew that that part wasn't good enough. I'm very interested in what they can do from a personnel standpoint to try to fix this defense. So I want to I want to run through some stuff with you guys to try to figure out who might be on the field Saturday that was different from the first two games. And I think there are multiple spots. I don't know. I'm not exactly sure who I believe in. Let's do this real quick. Let's do this. Let's have a draft. People like drafts on this show. We're going to have a draft of defensive players you believe in. And we will go until we're out of players. I'll start. I'll start. I'll take Haskell Garrett, number one. Steven, who do you pick? Denzel Burke. That would have which been is, my second choice as yeah, well. The, which the is truth. sad that that's the second pick is the true freshman who probably only played to begin with because Seven Banks and Cam Brown weren't hurt. Who well, was started, not even, I'll say that. Was not even a full defensive player in high school. Until January. Yes. So, okay. Nathan, you have the third pick. Who you got? And Josh Proctor's not available since he's not playing. Correct. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I guess, I guess I'll take Zach Harrison because he you has. Can't take, you can't take him. He wasn't good. I think we're done. I don't mean to. If you want him, well, and that was my, that was my a, point. Okay, that's he had a good, he had a good opener. He wasn't good against. Okay, my point was he did get in the backfield and make a play and and yeah. lead to something in the first game. You could at least say that. I think that was kind of going to be my point. Like I hesitate. Like I, I, and I'm not. I mean, I think Denzel Burke is fine. I don't think he's great yet. So really, I mean, it's 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 like a one round draft at best. He hasn't done it. Haskell Garrett and Denzel Burke are the only people who haven't done anything that's made you go, what the heck are you doing out there? How, how about Cam Brown with one oh, shoulder? Cam, I thought Cam game. Brown, I said this to you guys when we were recording the video. If they'd won that game, I think Cam Brown would have been like the hero of the game. I can't let it's, you take Zach Harrison. So you want to take Cam Brown? I'll take, I'll, I'll take Cam Brown. Yeah, that's actually a good point. Is Cam Brown healthy? I don't know, but he's the third pick in our Who Do You Trust draft. <laughs> I, you know who I'm going to take? I'm going to take JT Tumaloa. I think he's been pretty good so far. He played 12 snaps against Oregon. He made at least one play that I saw. Nobody else is getting in the backfield better than him. There's upside there. I'll take him. All right. We're three and a half deep. Steven, do you have a second pick? Are we done? We might be done. No. I don't. Has Teron Vincent been yeah. like a liability? No, uh, no, I, I don't know that he's been great, but I don't think he's been the liability. I don't know. He I had think... a bad, he had a bad grade on PFF that game, but that's not I, the end all be all. I think Taraja Mitchell and Teron Vincent are in the same category. No, I disagree. I actually think Taraja really? Mitchell has not played well. There, there are, I, I think, I think as it turns out, when we were talking about linebackers after the game, 
Taraja Mitchell has played by far the most snaps at linebacker. And if we think the linebackers aren't good, then I don't think we can say that Taraja Mitchell has been good. He's played, sure. he played the third most snaps in that game. He is not reacting to stuff. He is nowhere close to what Noah Sewell was doing. He's the guy who's supposed to make some of these plays and fill gaps and stop stuff. And he didn't. I so, think it's a bad sign for this defense that they don't have him or someone else that they feel could be there still out there on third downs. Like I feel like in the modern day college football, unless you've got like great situational guys, I feel like it's there's because the, whatever deficiency you think you'll have nah, on third down, you'll have it on early downs too. I, I disagree with that because third down, that's the nickel package. That's mostly coverage stuff. You put your two best coverage linebackers on the field. If they think mm-hmm. Kayvon Pope and Cody Simon are the two best coverage linebackers, Taraja Mitchell is supposed to be filling holes and stop fitting run fits and dragging down ball carriers on first and second down. If that's not his strong suit, I had somebody a couple of years ago when I was really jacked up about Taraji Mitchell say that like he really is a little more like tough Borland than people realize that he is not like a spectacular athlete necessarily, but he is really just like a really solid, smart, dedicated, hardworking linebacker. But at the moment, they sort of have him at the playmaking spot, and I don't know that he's made a bunch of plays. So, Nathan, I know what you're seeing, but we have seen – some good linebackers sometimes not be on the field. I am more concerned with what he's doing on first and second down when he seems late to react at times to runs up the middle that are gaining yards. So I don't, I don't know, but I don't think, I don't think we can put him in the good pile. We might be done. done. Yeah. Then we're done because you can make the same argument with Cody Simon. The group has been bad. So he gets that. Even if you think he's been okay, the group as a whole has been bad, so you can't include him. All right, so let's play this game. I'm going to run through the number of snaps guys played against Oregon defensively, and you tell me if you are want to see more snaps from them going forward, fewer snaps, or that seemed right, okay? So Denzel Burke led them in defensive snaps with 74 so, I mean, of course, there's going to be different numbers of plays in different games, but sort of like where they fit in. This is your guy. He played more than anybody. Are we comfortable? Nathan, Denzel Burke leads the team in defensive snaps. You want to see more or less or that the right amount? I think it should probably be less, but only because seven banks should be playing and all him and Cam Brown and Denzel Burke would then all play at small. You know what I'm saying? So that's the only if, if, if seven banks can't play, I think that's the right number. If seven banks can play, then his number kind of has to go down because it becomes a three man rotation. I agree with that. Three men through, through two spots. That's fine with me. That seems there's a there's a better it'll make him a little better to not have to play as much probably. Yeah. So we're not taking him off the field for four per, poor performance. We're trying to take him off the field because he's a true freshman. Give him a little break rotate him with the veterans we thought we're going to play and you might get a better total defensive package. I think I agree a, with that. A true freshman, yeah. Cause it's a true freshman who's getting action. Cause as Kerry Coleman did say last week, when you're a true freshman, they're going to attack you. And they've done that a lot these first two games. All right. Number two in snaps is Ronnie Hickman. He played 67 snaps last week. Again, whatever we thought was going to happen with some kind of rotation at bullet is not happening. Court Williams is not playing, and Craig Young played seven snaps. For the second game in a row, Ronnie Hickman was the bullet. That was it. Steven, are you ha- are you okay with that much Ronnie Hickman, or you want to change? I guess I'm fine. Um, if I say that I want to change, it's just to see what Craig Young can do with the position. Um, I, I guess I'm fine, though, given that Josh Proctor is gone. I'll 
bring up some other names in a different spot, but I guess I'm okay with it. I am not okay with it at all. I think he is slow to react to stuff. He let running backs catch passes. I think it's possible that some of the run fits when Tommy Eichenberg is being at the middle linebacker pulled out following a tight end, either Mitchell, he's just playing linebacker. He's just playing linebacker. He's a Mm -hmm. safety playing linebacker. And like, he's not fitting at times. I think like a linebacker, but he's also not making the plays on the edge that I think he should make. Nathan, I did not think he played very well. And again, his PFF grade, 62.7, 47.6 against the run. Again, the PFF grades are not a be-all, end-all, but I I would like to see what Craig Young or Court Williams could do because I don't think the bullet play has been great. Well, I mean, same argument. You could also say maybe they just – maybe they don't have the guy right now to play the bullet and they just need to play more Sam linebackers too is another argument you could make. Well, put Um, somebody else on the field, somebody else to cover running backs out of the backfield and cover some outside linebacker responsibilities in the run game. I mean, my whole concept with the bullet has always been that that person should sort of defy description and Ronnie Hickman doesn't defy description. He's a safety. Playing linebacker. He's playing linebacker. And he rotates back every now and then and a little bit of a two safety look, but he's basically playing linebacker. Again, I don't know what Court Williams' health status is. Let's get Court Williams on the field if he's okay. Or let's get a little more Craig Young. I don't feel like this has been it. Taraja Mitchell is next with 61 snaps. We just had the Taraja Mitchell discussion, Stephen. I don't know who the better options are at linebacker, but I don't, think, I don't think Taraja Mitchell has necessarily played to the level of like, well, pretty much you're on the field. As much as we talk about all the rotation, he's basically on the field all the time on first and second down. He does not rotate out sort of like, hey, let's give somebody a turn. He rotates out situationally on third down, passing downs he's out. What do you think? I, I, again, I guess I guess it's Naote Ote might take some of yeah. that, although he's more of a Sam than a Will. But, but that, yeah, Ryan Day specifically know. called him it's a Sam. Sam linebacker today. Who's their backup Will? Who's the backup Will? We don't have a depth chart, so I don't know. Who's their backup Will? Who's Taraja Mitchell's backup? I don't know. Is it Kayvon Pope, I, mean, I guess? I suppose it's Pope. He's the one who but, comes but, in on passing but Pope's down, a so. say, Yeah, Pope's a little or Sam. He's a Sam linebacker. I, I don't – listen, they're going to have to re, uh, reassemble, a lot of, rearrange a lot of this stuff anyway. So I want to see Plie, uh, Neo Tote at Will linebacker. I want to see Cody there. I just want to see other guys at different spots because clearly what they're doing isn't working. I understand what Ryan Day called him today, but that guy also had 100 tackles as a freshman. So I want to see it, and I want to see what he can do there. That's a five-star guy, so I want to see what he can do. The back really- of Will actually is probably Dallas Gantt. No, but Dallas Gant comes in as the Sam. Like, he's the guy who comes in yeah. when they take Hickman off the field. They put in Gant as the third linebacker. So I, I don't think it – I don't know. By the way, again, like these veteran linebackers who've been waiting their turn. Kayvon Pope, Pope, seven snaps. Dallas Gant, five against Oregon. Like, so they're playing Tommy Eichenberg and Cody Simon, and – they're playing Taraja Mitchell as much as they are because they think they're better than these other, these fourth year guys who have been sitting around. So I don't know. I just, I thought Taraja Mitchell might be better than he's been so far. I don't know what the answer is, but maybe there's one there. Cam Brown, 58 snaps at corner, Nathan. Is this the same kind of discussion as Denzel Burke? Yeah. Yeah. But I was really impressed with Cam Brown and impressed, I think, even more when I watched on rewatch the game because I think you see some of the physical things he was going through almost better there than we could in real time down on the field. Um, clearly was, was banged up a little bit still and played through it. And 
Um, if, like I said, if they'd won that game, he was going to be a chief reason. So I, I was, I was the one who previously was kind of questioning Cam Brown. I was the one who was saying like, are we sure he's yeah. really better than Burke and Watts and all that stuff? We haven't seen it. I think we've seen it now. I think he deserves to be out there. All right, let's do this quickly while we now have talked about both corners, right? We we said all along, we didn't think Ken, uh, Denzel Burke and Cameron Brown were the reason they lost on Saturday because they shut down the outside receivers. But what is going on with seven banks? Ryan Day asked about it directly multiple times. Nathan, you asked him about it, right? And like, there's no... I didn't, I didn't get to ask him about it, but Somebody I was going to. Other, okay. other, multiple other yeah. people did, yes. And And the idea is... He has been dressed for both games. He has been on the field pregame for both games. He has never been on the availability report, which is the injury report. He has never been on it. So why isn't he playing? Ryan Day said basically he's healthy and they hope to get him on the field this week. This is what happens when you're vague, right? They don't want to tell us stuff, but like I, uh, there's some point where being vague does not help anybody. Right. You're trying to protect situations by being vague. Nathan, it feels like he's healthy, but he's not playing. So then I don't know. I know at Clemson, Lynn J. Dixon is a guy who waited behind Travis Etienne to be the next running back. He's played like 10 snaps in two games. And Dabo basically said he's got to get more mature. He made it very clear like he's in the doghouse and they're playing the two younger running backs, Will Shipley and, and Pace behind him, Kobe Pace. Right. We get that. They said it. I don't want to, you don't want to, you know, smear a guy with, with, but, but it doesn't feel like it's injury related at this point. And he has not played a snap and it's been really weird. Something weird is happening there, whatever it is, but I don't know. Are we like Nathan? So Ryan Day said he hopes he plays this week. Are we sure he's going to play this week? No. Why would we? I mean, Ryan Day is not giving a straight answer about this. I mean, we sometimes that whatever i guess that's his prerogative but he's not he's not giving a straight answer and he's he's on the borderline of just outright lying to us i think about some of this and maybe he maybe he wants to be able to like you say um you know doghouse a guy without having to come out and say it publicly but like they every every week we come in there we ask about guys who do and don't play and ryan day always says well that'll be addressed in the availability report it has not been addressed in the availability report with seven banks it hasn't they, they he's been available for both games he went to minnesota put on a uniform, went on the field for warmups, and then did nothing. This against pregame against Oregon, he was out there taking reps with the second, when the second string, second team defense was going through. He was actually taking, you know, the 12 on 12 reps or 11 on 11 reps and did nothing. He did not play a snap. So clearly something is wrong. And when you're getting uh, as shredded on the boundary in the run game as they are, that either means that they are sort of sacrificing, uh, what banks would bring in for whatever reason they need to right now, or they think he's even worse than legend Cavazos right now, being able to do those things on a football field, which I find a little bit hard to believe. I mean, he was a guy who started all of last season. Um, now this does kind of bring me back to a conversation that we had though, prior to the season with our friend from PFF, whose name is escaping me right now, but you had Anthony Treach. Um, who we asked him about all of these Ohio state players who were being, prominently mentioned in you know nfl draft you know preseason things and he was like i don't know what they were looking at with seven banks he was not good last year and he was like one of the only people out there saying that and now it makes me wonder if that was true last year but if it was true to that extent to where they can't even put him on the field this year with what's going on with this defense um that it just that would be a little bit shocking to me too 
So we'll, I don't know, but I'm, I'm, it, it's the thing that I'm like most intrigued of going into Saturday's game in some way. It's like, is if he can't play Saturday, if you're telling us he's fully healthy and he can't play after what you've seen from this defense the first two weeks, then everything we thought about this defense and what they were telling us about depth and how it was going to make this defense better was BS. Steven, let's, let's talk about seven banks, but let's also talk about Ryan Watts here. Ryan Watts, who played 49 snaps and started at Minnesota, did not play a defensive snap against Oregon. So their outside corners, the only outside corners who played snaps against Oregon were 74 for Denzel Burke, 58 for Cam Brown, and 19 for Legend Cavazos. And again, I don't think that we don't think Brown and Burke are an issue. Cavazos is an issue. Cavazos is an issue in run support, big time. It's hard, it's hard to get your hands around it, Stephen, but don't you think they should be able to do something to get better there? It's odd to me. And again, they played DeMario in the first game. They didn't play DeMario, right? I mean, I, if, if mm-hmm. you were really truly on board with the great DeMario McCall cornerback experiment, I mean, again, it's a 60-year running back playing corners. It's Ohio State, right? Good luck to DeMario, but that's not a real answer. What do you think here? Can they get better at corner? But it just feels like the way they've not played Banks and the way they completely did away with Watson week two really makes it strange at corner. I think you, I'm not going to bank on seven banks getting on the field at this point. So I, the way they get better is just not rotate and just play Denzel Burke and play Cam Brown, which is hard to do because as I asked earlier, we don't know how healthy Cam Brown is. We can't, he can't go out there, get a pass breakup and then be limping back to the, to the line of scrimmage every other play. That, that's not going to help you because eventually he's going to break down again. And then you're going to be at the problem you're with now. So it's either Ryan Watts or legend Cavazos need to drastically improve over the next couple of weeks here. Now that they're playing teams where it's, you know, non-consequential as far as you know, if they make mistakes and whatnot, or Cam Brown just needs to get really healthy and they need to, he needs to maybe be on a pitch count throughout the week to get him to Saturdays because right now they're only 100% healthy corner. Who's good enough is Denzel Burke. I didn't think Ryan Watts. I mean, he got beat sometimes. I actually thought yeah. the way Ryan Watts and Denzel Burke played at Minnesota was like kind of similar, right? That it, they didn't get roasted. Mm-hmm. They never really played before. They didn't get roasted. They gave some stuff up sometimes like in coverage, but you know, stuff happens and that that in the end, Nathan, one of them winds up playing more snaps than anybody else on the defense and the other one doesn't play at all. It's like another thing. It's like throw it on the pile of things about this defense that we can't figure out. Yeah, and it just at this point of the season, we thought that there would be actually sort of some answers and we thought that there would be, you know, they were telling us all along they liked what was coming along as far as depth in this secondary. But at the whole time, I think we thought that that meant, well, I know that we thought that that meant that. Okay. So that means that's, who's going to play alongside seven banks behind seven banks that you could plausibly take seven banks off the field after he ranked like fourth in the big 10 last year and pass breakups. And um, was, was, you know, a guy who started all eight games last year that you could take him off the field and not have just a, a chasm that you're falling into talent wide. Um, the idea that now that they're they're throwing out some of the, the people that they're throwing out there, um, I, I just don't know how you can fix this defense without someone like Seven Banks playing. I don't know how you do it. To the Ryan Watts point, but I don't know. I mean, maybe he's not a corner anymore. 
I mean, he's the bigger corner of everybody in that room. He's 6'3", 205 pounds. Everybody else is six foot, six one, five eleven. Maybe he's already was already making the switch over to safety. And now the Josh Proctor injury just kind of like fast track that process a little bit. But you also if the, if last week was his first time, you know, taking reps at safety, you don't want to throw him out on the field when he's only got four days of practice. So maybe he was already making the switch to safety before Josh Proctor got hurt, especially after you, you saw what Bryson Shaw offered you against Minnesota. I mean, the idea that, hey, Proctor's shoulder is an issue. We don't know if he can go. Mm -hmm. We need help at deep safety. We got to work some guys in there. That would be a plausible explanation for this. And now Brock, Proctor hurts his leg and is out for the year, and it's a completely separate issue, but it's even a more serious one. Uh, that would be interesting if that's the solution to that. But, man, it's like they got they got thin there quick. I, the, the seven banks thing is – Again, there are people, as you said, Nathan, there are people talking about like seven banks. It's like, oh, he's going to show he's a first rounder this year. It's like, he hasn't played. He's been in uniform and hasn't played. So it is very strange. We, we're going to get to some of this other stuff. You're leading us there a little bit, Stephen. Let's talk about Lathan Ransom next. 57 snaps at that cover safety spot. Again, like nobody else is really playing there. It's weird. As much as we think like they're rotating all over the place, some other places where we thought they were going to rotate, like they're not rotating at all. Marcus Williamson, again, does not play. I am not here to argue for more Marcus Williamson. But Cam Martinez had zero snaps defensively. We saw that he was on the field and about to take a defensive snap before a a timeout. (laughs) Marcus Williamson had nine snaps. Lathan Ransom had 57. He did not grade out great. He definitely did get beat on some of the stuff, Stephen. Part of this is the solution to the Josh Proctor injury answer, but would you keep Lathan Ransom at cover safety? Would he be one of the options for deep safety, which means now we're going to play Marcus Williamson and Cam Martinez at cover safety. If you keep him at cover safety, would you want to get more of Cam Martinez? What do you think about Lathan Ransom? I think Lathan Ransom is playing out of position and they need to move him back to single high safety, which is what they recruited him to play. And then when I asked uh, Mark Barnes about it, he was pretty much like, like they, they didn't know he could cover this well, I guess. And so they moved him to cover safety, but he was recruited here to be a single high safety, just like Jensen Dunn, the true freshman was. And they moved him within like a month after he got here. So I think you move him back to his more natural position, play him at single high safety and, I mean, you create a role for Cam Martinez or maybe you move some other guys from some different rooms, but that would be step number one for me is you recruit a guy to play a position who played it in high school, the same high school as B. John Robinson out in Arizona. So he knows what he's doing back there. That solves at least one issue. Now you can maybe, you know, work in Cam Martinez or Marcus Williamson at, at, slot, or at cover safety or whatnot. They really wind up playing ransom up on in man coverage in that slot a lot. Like they sort of Mm -hmm. mix the outside corners between cover one and cover three. You see Lathan ransom is like up in the guy's grill a lot. And it feels like Nathan, there are times where I felt like there are at least a couple times Saturday where it felt like Lathan ransom had pretty good coverage, but his guy also caught the ball. Right. So I I don't Mm -hmm. think he's playing poorly, but I also wouldn't be averse to like, give me a little more Cam Martinez there, move ransom around. I don't know. I'm sorry. I cut you off. Nathan. What do you think? No, and I was just about to say that I think it, part of that, though, is what Steven's alluding to is the balance that you're trying to strike with your best 11 guys. And if you think Rant- Lathan Rantham is one of your best 11 defenders, you find a way to get him on the field because you've got Josh Proctor at high safety. But now that you don't have mm-hmm. Josh Proctor at high safety the rest of this year, he's not going to play free safety. Another snap this year and a lot of how long the season lasts, then I think it's worth considering that maybe he is now your best free safety option. Um, I'm skeptical that it's Bryson Shaw. I'm skeptical that that's what gets you into the playoff at this point. 
is Bryson Shaw at the back, starting at the back end of this defense. No offense to him. I just think it stretches him a little bit beyond what he's capable of doing. But you've got it then who that eleventh person now. I, do we really think it's it's Marcus Williamson? Like I don't know. Like do we? Is there some other safety that belongs on the field? Like it, it's Cam Martinez. I think it's it's you bet on Cam Martinez football player. He's adjusted now. He's at mm-hmm. the cover safety spot. He's a quarterback. He's smart. He's nimble, agility, speed. He's a football player. Let's get Cam Martinez in there. That's that's what I weeks, would do. You've got two weeks coming up, plausible where you think you can play around with this a little bit and try to figure some things out. And you have the guy it, who started there last year as a backup. Yeah, I did. If you yeah. move Lathan Ransom back and you put Cam Martinez out there and he's just lost, then you give Marcus Williamson on the field and yep. you give Cam Martinez more time to learn it. I, I don't know, Steven, is this, are you saying this is what you would do, Steven Lathan ransom deep and, and figure it out at cover safety with Martinez and Williamson. Yeah. Even if they would have beat Oregon, I still think I would have done it at, with knowing what we know about Josh Proctor. I Proctor done out. Yeah. Yeah. With Proctor out, I still would have done it because now you've got two games where Cameron Martinez can go out there and figure it out. Just like to an extent, Denzel Burke was, is this, they're the same player. They're both offensive players who knew they were going to play corner when they got here, going to play defense when they got here. Denzel Burke just had two harder games to figure it out. Cam Martinez has got two pretty easy games to go out there and figure it out, make some mistakes. So by the time you start playing the other big 10 opponents, he's ready to go. Now, I think putting someone like, like, uh, Ryan Watts at cover safety could also make yeah some sense. He's a little big for in there, maybe. I don't know. He's pretty rangy know. for some of those two-way routes and stuff in the slot. I mean, but you got to try everything. I know and what you're saying. It's a run, too. Yeah. The, the, the thing about Cam Martinez is I do think he's a football player. Denzel Burke's a football player. Denzel Burke is not a lockdown. I've played corner my whole life, whatever. It's like he's figuring it out on the fly, and they're putting him out there. I, I wonder if Cam Martinez, who's in his second year, not his first, could do a version of the same thing. Now, his transition's mm-hmm. a little tougher. I mean, he really – he's like the Michigan high school player of the year, quarterback. Yeah. So this guy's making a move, but he's got a year on him. And I could I can envision – right? I mean, the coaches know it. I mean, if, 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 if Cam Martinez was doing exactly what Denzel Burke has already done, Cam Martinez would be out there already. But I – it seems like a – worth the risk to me because I do think, and let's move on a little bit here. Zach Harrison and Haskell Garrett both played 55 snaps. So ransom played 57 Harrison and Garrett, both 55. We'll get back to them. Shaw played 54 Bryson Shaw an overall 55.3 defensive grade. That is, that is not good. That is, that is, that is not good. Now he's not the lowest for this game. Teron Vincent's lower. Cody Simon's lower. Taraja Mitchell's lower. Tommy Eichenberg's lower. It's not great, though. And I do think even Ryan Day, when I asked Ryan Day specifically about the 77-yard touchdown run, like, what happened there? Right up the middle. He said there was some gap responsibility. So somebody with the linebackers, Tommy Eichenberg's following a tight end. Some other linebacker is supposed to fill in there. Either the bullet or the other or the will linebacker, I think, from what Ryan Day said, is supposed to cover that. But then he said, and then the safety, right? The safety is supposed to get him down. Bryson Shaw did not come close to getting him down. It's just, I mean, this is just real life, Nathan. Like, it wasn't good enough. He was too slow. If you're supposed to be the eraser, he didn't erase anything. It's a little bit, I mean, it's not like CJ's job, but it's like, did Bryson Shaw lose them the game? Well, a lot of stuff went wrong before they got to Bryson Shaw. But then when Bryson Shaw, where they were like, save us, Bryson Shaw, it was like, he couldn't do it. So, Lathan Ransom, Ryan Watts, 
Jansen Dunn, right? All three of these guys, Steven, like right on Jansen Dunn, that wouldn't be an unreasonable, again, young guy. I don't know, young guy. But the point is, Nathan, something. It can't just be Bryson Shaw and then backups. I think there has to be, and it sounds like there's going to be, Nathan, right? From the, Again, there's what we think is what Ryan Day said. Certainly, we interpreted from Ryan Day they're going to try some other people at some spots, and deep safety is one of them. Well, I think there's going to be experimentation there, but I don't know what level of confidence I have that it'll be a problem that gets solved sufficiently that the next time they play a Big Ten team, that's not going to get exploited. I, I'm, I'm, I'm very sensitive right now to like Bryson Shaw not becoming some sort of like punching bag for this defense. And I'm worried that if they leave him out there, that's what becomes that like you're putting a guy who's just overextended probably to be a huge part of this defense. That's not just a big 10 defense, but like a national championship aspirant team that like to ask him to go out and solve a lot of problems is probably overextending him. But I, I, but I'm just not that confident that they'll find the answer. I mean, Jansen Dunn missed a lot of camp for injury related things from what we could see. He was, I don't think he was active for the Minnesota game. Um, he was, he dressed. I don't, did he dress? I don't yeah, know. Yeah, he, he was dressed. I don't know if he would have played if it was an emergency. I don't think he would have played if they absolutely needed him to, but he did have pads on. So, I mean, he's, he hasn't been even as banged up as they've been there. And as many problems as they've had there, he hasn't been looked at as even like a whisper of an option yet. I'm just, I think that we're looking at another season where that, position is probably going to be a problem as long as the season lasts yeah the problem is they're stuck in this single high thing where you're to nathan's point you're putting a lot of pressure on bryson shaw to fix everything and you've got to kind of be a pretty good athlete to be able to do that which we found out jordan fuller was and it seemed like josh proctor was ready to do I don't think Bryson Shaw is that athlete to where if something goes wrong, it's okay because he's going to fix it. And we, we have proof now, two games of which things have gone wrong. And instead of it only being a 15-yard gain, it's been a 40-yard gain, a 77-yard touchdown. But I, I just think moving to a too high, moving to two safety look might fix one leak, but another one's going to spring up somewhere. Well, but but then so is that – so you're saying like it's not a scheme issue? That it's just like it's talent. I mean, again, Ryan Day, it's all the things. Both. Ryan Day. So let's, let's finish up Russian Star real quick. Number 575 overall recruit in the class of 2019. He's a three-star recruit. I mean, like how many three-star recruits start on Ohio State defenses ever? From Maryland. So it's not like he's a – you took an Ohio Flyer kid. Maybe he turns out maybe he doesn't. You took a national three-star recruit, Alex Grinch. And, and so I get, I mean, like stuff happens, right? You can move beyond a recruiting ranking, but like, I just don't know that this was ever a plan of like, well, this guy, we're bringing this guy in to be the starting single high safety as the eraser on the back end of our defense. It's like, well, this isn't, I don't know that that was everybody's plan. So like, they've got a problem solve here, but to your point, Nathan, they are. I mean, I think if you go more to safety, look, which we talked about a lot in the off season, I'll tell you what, man, again, I, I want to try to have him on this week. If we can do it, Deontay Lee, our friend who's gone on to great success at, PFF, who came on this podcast two years ago and broke down the film and had done a, a story on it. And I invited him on the pod and talked about how unique it was for Ohio State to run a single high safety when people didn't do that. You know, I, I rewatched the Iowa Iowa State game this week, a lot of the whole thing. And like Iowa State's got three deep safeties lined up across the back of their defense every snap. They have three down linemen. They have three linebackers floating in the middle. They have three safeties in the back, and then they have the two corners manned up right? Or two corners over the outside receivers. And it just is more protective. 
right? I mean, it's just, it's just Ryan Day says we don't want to give up big plays and they have wound up in this spot where they are giving up big plays and they are not getting anything out of it. And so Nathan, I think they do. And Ryan Day kind of said, we're going to change some stuff again. Now you're skeptical. How much are you going to change your whole defense? But they played a lot more too high safety against Clemson a couple of years ago in bolt. They, they figured it out over the course of bowl practice and switched it up. So maybe over the course of the next month before you get to Indiana. And here's the other thing. Not, it's not even really Indiana. It's Maryland. Talia Tonga-Vailoa and Rakeem Jarrett and mm-hmm. the other guy, like there are, there are enough things at Maryland where Tulsa's not going to get you, Akron's not going to get you, and Rutgers isn't going to get you. Maryland might give you a little trouble if you're not ready for it. So there are things you can do. It's not just, we talk about the single high safety a lot because it's easy to see, right? And we're not football coaches. Eh, there's only one guy back there. Why don't they have two? They can do other things with, again, pre-snap and post-snap. We've talked about that. Ryan Day was asked about that a little bit today and that kind of thing. There are other things they can change. But I don't know. I would be open, Nathan, to a big schematic change. Like, this has officially not worked. And it's Ryan Day's defense. That's not really on carry. It's what Ryan Day wants to run. Ryan Day said, I spent the last 48 hours really thinking about things. Do you think it's possible, Nathan, in those last 40 hours, like, he evolved to the point of, like, well, got to scrap it. And now it's not an instantaneous scrapping, but we are implementing over the course of the next month, Operation Scrap That Defense. Like, is that possible? Now, I also said lots of times coaches like to talk about change on a Tuesday, and then they never really implement it. What do you think, though? This does feel like to me that they should at least be open to a scheme change. Oh, I, I think they should be open to it. And I think that it's possible that it's something he's, I, I think it's possible that they would do it. Um, I'm a little skeptical. It seems like Ryan Day is a little bit stubborn sometimes in the, in the ways that he kind of wants things to, to go that, um, that he has. And for, for, you know, right or wrong, he has a, a belief in um, what he believes, like what, what his system is. And he seems committed to that and kind of problem solving within that commitment. So I think it's something that should be considered, but I, I, I'm skeptical necessarily that they would get to that point. And I'm again, I'm skeptical that whatever scheme you put them in right now, that they have the guys that are going to play so well that that solves it. The problem well, is, well, but I just I, want to interrupt at some yeah. point. At some point, they can't get new players. They can't make a trade. Right. So it's like I agree. Like, are they going to turn into a great defense? It probably doesn't look that way. But what are you going to do? So at some point, we have to start saying like, unless you just think. I mean, we can say there's no solution. The defense is going to be bad. They're going to lose another game because of it. They're going to be out of the playoff race because this defense is officially not good enough. It's quite possible, Nathan, that like, that's the final answer. But don't they have to fight? Don't they have to? Yes. Like yes. Even if you think that's it, don't you have to fight and, and try every possibility? Yes. I but think, that might be it. Yeah, because the, the, skept- the skepticism is – they're playing two terrible teams, so they might just think, oh, we can get better at what we're doing now that we you know, might, we're not going to lose. Or the optimism could be, because we're not going to lose, we can try a bunch of new stuff to see if that works better. And seeing how this team kind of has reacted to some things, I think it's better to be skeptical that they might just think, oh, we can get better at doing this single high safety scheme now that we don't have to worry about losing and we can actually teach a little bit. But the other, the other tricky thing for them is, again, if this is a team that wants to get back in the playoff conversation, like they have to like experiment while dominating these next two weeks. Yeah, That's, that's tricky. the key. Like, they do you think they're going to do that? And, 
and win these two games by a combined even like 30 points over two. Like you got to put some separation between yourself and the lower rung of college football because right now you're you're drip, you're not drifting all the way to the bottom. But you know what I'm saying? Like you're you're receding from the elite, and people mm-hmm. start to think you look a little ordinary. And you got to give them reason over the next two weeks not to believe that. Yeah, I mean, I think that the rest is pretty self-explanatory. Tyreek Smith, 51 snaps. He actually graded out pretty well on PFF. Tron Vincent. got to be okay. better. Okay. Tommy Eichenberg, not a good grade. 38 snaps. Cody Simon, 35 snaps. Both really bad coverage grades, right? That Like, they're just some – they're putting some guys in some situations, I think, that they're not just ready to handle that situation. I, again, it's, it's just weird that they're really strong. They're duplicative at certain spots that it's like, Hey, maybe JT two Maloa and Jack Sawyer can solve it. It's like, well, I don't know. They already have five-star guys, right? Like, like they don't have JT. What if JTT was a linebacker, right? He'd Bingo. play every yeah. snap, right? Just like we said, what if Jackson Smith, the Jigba was a safety? Hmm. Well, how about what? Okay. Up, 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 up problem. Hey, Jax. Yeah. Can you come on? Yeah. Hey, uh, why is Matt Barnes in the room with me? Brian? Brian, where are you going? Brian! Uh, hey, Jax, uh, it's me, Matt Barnes. Uh, let me talk to you about playing defense. It's <laughs> just that- like being on offense, except no glory and no fun. And also, uh, did I mention there's no glory? And people yell at you, and it hurts. But other than that, it's pretty much the same. When the ball's in the air, try to catch it. Also, Please make 15 tackles because the 10 guys in front of you were very uncertain about, but you sure seem good at the other thing you do. Jackson Smith and Digba, deep safety. That's like, That's it's, not, like it's like a pilot on Peacock. Jackson Smith the Jigba. He had 151 receiving yards, but his team needed him. JSN said, I'll go to the other side. Tune in next week on Peacock. JSN, deep safety. You can tell the backups wide receivers to do that and say, listen, you're going to get more targets as a corner than you are as a wide receiver. It's like, it's, it's like Matt Barnes, like comes into the receiver room. He's like, it's like, uh, Hey, Brian, Brian. Yeah. Come in, Matt. And receivers are like diving under desks. I'm not here. And Mekek is like, I, he's hiding in the bathroom. Oh, my God. Jaden Ballard is like, I will transfer to Akron tomorrow. I am not being a safety. It's like, seriously, though, it's like, could you not? It's, uh, I don't you have six. If Jaden Ballard rec- played defense, Jaden Ballard would have been like third in our defense draft. Jaden Ballard is like. Is, is 11 offensive injuries away from getting on the field at receiver. He would be their third best defensive player right now. That's what, that's the secret they're not telling you of why they're recruiting so many wide receivers. They're planning on turning them into defensive backs. They just haven't done it yet. Mookie Cooper is lucky he got out of here. When yeah. he did. <laughs> I just want to throw in something else real quick, though. But like you're talking about, like where they where they have depth at the wrong play, or you know what I mean? Like they have too many good players at one position, not enough at another. You said Tron Vincent's score wasn't that great for the this past game um yeah it was it was fine i mean like yeah they didn't lose the game because of Teron vincent but they didn't get but, a whole ton of pressure or anything but he's also not really a nose tackle or nose guard no right right yeah, so that's another that's guy true. that's kind of playing out of position another guy where like they have he's almost like too good to only be the second defensive tackle 
um, the second three technique, but is he really the nose guard that helps you win a national championship? Like that's, that's where they're caught in between in like so many places. It feels like. And coincidentally, hey, hey, they're Corey. shredded against the run. Hey, Corey. No Donovan hey. Jackson is going to be a nose tackle. Hey, Matt, what's going on? Yeah. Hey, Corey, what's up? Um, do you know, has, has Quinn ever played defense? Quinn's like, I am taking my kombucha and going back to Texas. Kyle McCord, middle linebacker. He's from Philly. He's tough. Sure, he might be the next Brett Favre, but when his team needs him, Kyle McCord answers the bell. Kyle McCord, middle linebacker, debuting next week on Peacock. I mean, for real, they have nine quarterbacks, 13 receivers, 17 defensive ends, and no linebackers and no safeties. Sounds like a team is really good at recruiting offense and not defense. Paris Johnson should be the best tackle in America. First, he moved to guard. Now he moves to cover safety. Paris, I want to see that now. I want to see that now. You want to be the slot receiver where Paris Johnson lines up across from you? I don't want to. How about that jam? (laughs) I'm just going to run away from him. (laughs) I'm going to run backwards and then run forward. Just jam him off the line, Paris, and knock him back nine yeah. yards and then take the rest of the playoff. I mean, Nathan, it's insane, right? It is one of these things. It's like if they had trades in college football, it's like, okay, we'll trade Paris Johnson and Kyle McCord for and Kyle the future Ham- five star for Kyle <laughs> Hamilton, right? Notre Dame's like, wow, Notre Dame has no offensive line and Jack Cohn, although Jack Cohn all of a sudden is spectacular. But I mean, that's it. Really, is they need they need to make a trade for a safety. It's too bad we're like five years away from that, right? Stipends, nil, paying players, trading future recruits. Got to trade a future recruits like and a future five star to be named later. (laughs) Oh, I'm so excited to come to Ohio State. Uh, You're the recruit to be named later. Sorry, bro. (laughs) You're going to Iowa State. We really needed Charlie Kohler. So we needed a tight end and we had to make a deal. Sorry. Cade Stover and a future five round five, five star for Charlie Kohler. Here you go. Recruit a guy telling him, listen, we're only recruiting you so we can send you over there. We're going to do that on the text. Like that's like one of those things. That's terrible podcasting. It's like, Hey it guys, is. if you could make a college football trade, what trade would you make? I trade Quinn Ewers and Matthew Jones for Derek Stingley Jr. We'll do that on the text for like the next month until the Maryland game. All right. We're going to take a quick break and then we will be back on Buckeye talk. We do have to talk about now. We got into some player stuff. <laughs> no answers. Nathan, do we answer anything? They're going to try. They're going to try some people to deep safety. I don't know what to do at linebacker. And we were waiting for seven banks to play. So uh, is there, I mean, is there anything else we're missing? They're not going to actually move Jackson Smith and Jigba to defense, but like we're not, there's not, there's not a million solutions. Now here's the thing. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. I do want to say this. There have been times in the past at Ohio state where necessity has put a young guy on the field who then was good. There are good players on the bench here. Isaiah Pryor in 2018 had some problems, banana angles. He's plays a lot at Notre Dame now, by the way. And Brendan White got on the field. And Brendan White was quite good for Ohio State in the second half of 2018. Now, he was not a long-term answer, and they kind of changed the defense and went to a single high safety and eliminated his position. But they made a change 
They took a guy off the field and put a guy on the field, and the guy they put on was better. It is not impossible, even if they are not leaping first thought to our minds here, Nathan. It's Ohio State. They got 85 scholarships to give. There might be some guys floating around here who really can change some things up. So I will be very curious. I would, as much as we're joking about that, they're duplicative at some positions. I really think JTT might do something for you here. He clearly is ready for this. And Joey Bosa got after the quarterback as a true freshman. And maybe JTT is in the same position to do that. Maybe Jack Sawyer eventually too. So uh, I, I do think that could be an answer because he's big enough to play the run. I mean, he's what the, the fact that they're leaning on him, even for 12 snaps a game when he got here, like, two months ago is pretty amazing. There's not a ton of, there's a lot of questions, Nathan. There's not a ton of obvious answers, but I do think there are possible answers that aren't apparent right now to us, but I do think it might be time to get creative. I agree. I think it's time for creativity. I wanted to acknowledge real quick. I got a a message from one of our listeners, um, Al Holtzlander, who was kind of saying, Hey, I appreciate what you guys are saying or saying he, I guess actually more of the point he was saying he actually likes me on the podcast. Didn't really, you guys didn't come up, but, um, but he was and that's issue. it. Thanks. Thanks for that, Nathan. We're going to take a break. We'll be right back on Buckeye Talk. This is was, only a face. They're about me. Do we read nice emails? He was taking issue with this concept that that it's a personnel problem right now. And I hope, Al, that we've answered your question a little bit. But I, I understand the frustration that, that fans probably feel when they hear us talk about this stuff. I just feel like it's time to be realistic about where the talent is right now either what talent has gotten to the level where it's like difference making guys and which guys are maybe still just a little too far away from making enough of a difference that it, it turns this thing around the season. But I mean, you've, you've done this, you've been through this before in a way that I haven't, Steven hasn't as far as covering this program with these stakes and this standard. And um, I, I, I do, I guess, sort of, I agree with what you're saying that it, maybe it is there and it just takes a little while to uncover it, but they they are short on time now to figure it out. Like I guess that's the thing that surprises me is that you can get after, after a full spring, after a full off season, after a full preseason that you're still getting to a point where you don't know who can play. Yeah. And it's, I mean, listen, Cody Simon's a top 100 recruit, right? They, there should not be a personnel issue across that front line. I mean, that's like five-star, five-star, high, four-star, high, four-star in that starting lineup with two five-star freshmen ready to chip in. And my call is a really highly rated recruit too. And again, in Ohio state, you shouldn't have to lean on true freshmen, but it should not be a talent issue on the defensive line. It just so happens that the defensive line coach is one of the best to ever do it and has done a great job so far. So when the defensive line is not playing well, we're not going to be like, well, that's it. Larry Johnson doesn't know how to coach anymore. So now again, it's also, I mean, Larry Johnson's getting older. So at some point, you know, I don't know. Maybe you're not quite as good as you were when you were six years younger, but I don't think we're at that point yet. Right. But well, if we're searching for answers, why isn't the defensive line better? We're not going to have the same conversation about Larry Johnson as a defensive line coach that we're going to have about Kerry Combs as a defensive coordinator, because that's new for Kerry. This is old for Larry and Larry knows how to do this. And we've seen it a million times. And so that is hard and even Nathan, Ryan Day said that. We did not spend a lot of time on the defensive line because it feels like they have the right players. They just need to play better. But Ryan Day did say he was disappointed by the lack of, of production from that defensive line getting any pressure on Saturday. 
Yeah, he, he used the word disappointed a few times, and um, I think we're about to get into this probably in the next segment. But just like the 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 level of sort of annoyance that he felt and having to have a whole press conference about how bad the defense is playing was was striking. But I think if 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 you're Ryan Day, when you say that you want this cover this this defense, this single high defense, I think that's predicated on the fact that you're going to get pressure that goes along with it. If you're not getting pressure, the whole thing kind of falls apart. And Adam Rittenberg from ESPN uh, wrote a really good piece that came out Tuesday morning. If you're an ESPN Plus subscriber, I'm not going to give away Adam's content for free, but he sort of did like a panic meter for different teams around the country. And he talks to a whole bunch of other coaches. And there was some really honest stuff in there about Ohio State just getting out coached defensively. And then it's a lot of the stuff. I always like reading stuff like that because it like, you, you know, when it like confirms the stuff we're already talking about, but that Ohio State's defensive scheme is pretty simplistic and it works when you have great talent and when you don't, it gets exposed. And that's that is problem, what's happening here. And yeah. that is, it is a system that when you fill it with Jeff Okudas and Chase Young's, you're good to go. And when you don't have them, it's a little simplistic and they don't have them right now. So what does that mean? Like if people don't think it's a personnel issue, show me Chase Young, show me Jeff Okudas, same with, show me Ryan Shazier, show me AJ Hawk, show me James Laurinaitis, show me Malik Hooker, show me Marshawn Lattimore. That's not the level these guys are playing at. But, but stop naming all-time greats. Like, show me Jordan Fuller. Show me um, Malik show Harris. Jalen Holmes. Javon Hamilton right now. Like, I mean, yeah. I mean, that, that it's, 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 it's that, that like, boring fourth-round NFL draft pick that this defense desperately needs right now. There's not a Taekwon Lewis on this defensive line right now. There's not a Jalen Holmes or a Sam Hubbard. There could be. But, I, got, I mean, those guys got home. It, they didn't get home the same way Chase and Nick Bosa and Joey Bosa did, but they got home. Tyreek Smith has been the epitome of what this defensive line has been the last two years. I get pressure. I don't get home. That's the problem. And when you're relying on basically four people to do all the pressure work for you and they're not getting home, of course things are going to look simple and people are going to find that out. So that's why they have to get a little bit more creative with the defensive scheme, whether it's blitzing or just showing different looks, whatever it is, you can't just depend on whoever the four people are with their hand in the dirt if they're not going to get the job done right now. And that's not on Larry Johnson. That just might be where the talent level is right now. But but it's it's hard because like what is it on? Because Zach Harrison was a five star recruit. Tyreek Smith was a big time recruit. We'll talk about it more. We'll yeah. get into some of the stuff Ryan Day said about Kerry Combs. We'll do it next on Buckeye Talk. All right, back on Buckeye Talk. Doug Nathan Steven, be a tech subscriber at six one four three five zero three three one five. Would you say it's interesting how people perceive it? I just we during the break we had to take a quick break. I did a radio show and the host said that Ryan Day threw the defensive staff under the bus in the news conference today, Nathan, with the way Ryan Day talked about Kerry Combs, never said like, hey, he's our guy, we believe in him, we'll get it fixed, like was very, as you said, annoyed, sort of said like, hey, if, if I have to help out on the defense, that's going to take me away from the offense, that's going to hurt us, really put it on them, we expect more. I'm not saying he's wrong to do that because I think he was honest and I think we all see it and sometimes I think it's worse when you try to pander. And it's like, oh, no, we'll fix it. We'll fix it. No, that was not good. But th- that he started off the press conference by saying it's a pattern. Oh, that was devastating. That was devastating for Kerry Combs that he did not make it like, hey, it's a bad day or, hey, Joe Moorhead is a genius or whatever. That was like, this is ongoing. Did he throw them under the bus? A little bit. Um, I, as I alluded to before the break, uh, what when he was asked about, Boy, aren't you, uh, as the offensive guy, aren't you annoyed that you have to be spending time working with the defense? And, you know, as if, you know, the choices that he's made haven't somewhat led to where the defense is right now. But he said, yeah, I mean, it's 
You know, he needs he needs the defense to take care of its thing and the strength and conditioning to take care of its thing and special teams to take care of its thing so that he can concentrate on the offense. And I, I guess I understand where he's coming from. Um, I will say that the thing about the pattern, what's damning about that is he later on said it's not the same problem that they had last year. That last year they had a really bad issues in past events, as we've talked about ad nauseum, and some of the competition might have contributed to that. But 122nd nationally in passing yards allowed per game. So that was a huge problem. That was the thing we all thought had to be fixed coming into the season. And right now they are completely susceptible to the run. They've played two good teams that like are good at running the ball, but still they're just getting run off the field by it. And I think that's what he's alluding to as the pattern. That right now Ohio State's defense doesn't have an answer for whatever the offense tries to do to it. Like if, if teams had come out and tried to throw the ball more against him these first two games, that maybe that still would have been a problem. That he's not seeing a in-game reactions, but maybe he's also and he's not seeing the preparedness from game to game for a defense to react to what the other team is doing. I mean, one of the things is we again, all those stats are weird. Is they only played eight games last year, and two of the eight were against Trevor Lawrence and Mac Jones. Mm-hmm. Another one was against Michael Penix. Another one was against Jahan Dotson. And it's like, okay, well, that's half your games against dudes who are going to slice you up. So part of it is, but the the point, but again, he said it. So like you said, he said it. And also like, no one's had to throw on them because they haven't stopped the run. So you don't have to throw. It's like, maybe maybe they will have problems in the past defense when they get the Jahan Dotson. Let's see. It's like, well, I don't know. Minnesota didn't throw. It's like, yeah, it's because Mohamed Ibrahim was going to run for 200 yards until he got hurt. Nathan, uh, Steven, I thought the discussion that Ryan Day had about Kerry Combs in the press conference what I th- was what I thought very was very similar to discussions we had on this podcast in the offseason, sort of like almost like, why didn't you make a change? Why didn't you say that wasn't good enough? And he was, uh, we definitely said this. It's like, well, it's COVID. It's like, I don't know. It was so weird. The season was so disjointed. It's its first year. You don't really get to work with your guys. It was like, well, you can't judge. It's not fair to judge a first time coordinator off a of COVID year. Right. You can't make a decision based on that. If a guy's been doing it, you know, Jim Harbaugh made a decision on Don Brown, but Don Brown had been going the wrong way. And that was the last straw. Mm-hmm. This was the first straw. So Ryan Day said, um, I think there were a lot of things coming into the season coming off of last season that, you know, especially with COVID and everything like that, that was hard to identify exactly, you know, what the issues were moving forward. I felt confident that we could get them fixed. What did you think of that, Stephen? There almost was like a little bit in there to me. And we don't really have to put many words in Ryan Day's mouth because he kind of said them all himself. But it's almost read like, well, if I knew it was going to be this bad, I would have fired him in the offseason. Like it was he didn't say that. But, man, it kind of felt like he did. Yeah, he pretty much said it because at some point I'm pretty sure he went. You hire somebody to do a job and they need to do that job. Or somewhere along those lines, he said those words. I think last year you take it with a grain of salt. And because, okay, yeah, all that stuff, but you take it as what it was. You go, okay, now I'm watching you. You, you, your, your, your gun is fully loaded. Now you got a full off season. You got to develop guys. You know, everybody who's on the roster, let's see what happens. And I don't think so far he likes what he sees because it looks oddly similar to last year where there are problems and there aren't being adjustments made to the problems. And unlike last year, you have options to change it and not, no one's doing anything yet. So Ryan Day basically confirmed everything that every fan, every media member saw, thought, and said, starting with when the game ended on Saturday. So we don't have to go into all of that. 
So let's talk about this. Number one, I think the chances of Kerry Combs being the defensive coordinator next year are practically zero. Because even if like you get it fixed, are you going to believe it? Right. Unless they win the national championship by shutting down Spencer Rattler, you're going to think, well, early in the season when it mattered and then, okay, fine. The big 10 stinks. There's no good quarterbacks here. I just don't think it's going to happen. And I think he's going to make a wholesale change and maybe go get somebody, right? It might be incumbent on him to go get somebody. Don't, this is not a first time coordinator thing. Go get the best coordinator at a school that's in the second tier, not in the first tier. And I'm not so sure you don't ask Brent Venables if he's ready for a change of scenery on the way to doing that. So let's talk about Mm -hmm. Nathan, the idea of what today told us about Ryan day, because Ryan day is not going anywhere. Ryan Day has never been in this position. He's never been a head coach at any level. He's never had a team have to play the week after a loss as a head coach. He's never been in the position of having to criticize guys that he likes personally, that he's friends with. He was a coworker of Kerry Combs before he hired him. Whatever failings Kerry Combs has here, Ryan Day hired him. Ryan Day did not surround him with the best possible people on the rest of this defensive staff. It doesn't mean Ryan Day is a bad head coach, but Ryan Day also made mistakes here. And Ryan Day has said, I want to play this way. Carrie, call a defense the way I want to play it. But I want to zero in on the way Ryan Day handled today, Nathan. It's an uncomfortable place, I think, for a lot of fans and readers and listeners. Again, I don't know that it was wrong by him because it's not good enough. And he said it's not good enough. But do you think it changed anybody's view? Are there people listening to this right now who see Ryan Day in a different light at all? Maybe bad, maybe good. Maybe like, hey, this guy's not going to put up with poor performance. He's going to put it on the line and call people out. What about Ryan Day's performance in this news conference? Well, if people might remember after Saturday's game, you were still hearing from Ryan Day the things that you often hear from a head coach, like, hey, this ultimately stops with me. I'm ultimately responsible, that sort of thing. And as you alluded to in the, the video that we shot after afterwards, if people don't watch on our YouTube uh, channel, that there's a certain amount of messaging that goes on in these press conferences. Like, we think that was maybe definitely happening in terms of some of the things he said about CJ Stroud, but I think it was also happening in, in what he was saying. And now it's not like he wouldn't say it to Kerry Combs pers- uh, privately as well, but I think the accountability is clearly being pointed here. And it does make me wonder if that is, if does it speak to some of the changes that we might see coming up? Because if Kerry Combs is saying, I can't coordinate this scheme that you want with this talent, and we have to change that to what I'm more comfortable with, is Ryan Day saying, okay, but that's on you. Like, the accountability is on you. If it's going to be your decision to do all that, then I'm stepping away from that. I'm removing myself from the accountability to that, and now it's on you and Al Washington and Larry Johnson and Matt Barnes to figure that out. So, Stephen, I want to read you a quote. Again, I ran this through the transcription service because there were just so many interesting things that Ryan Day said here. He was asked a question. You look at, do you look at changing responsibilities, having guys potentially do something different than they've been doing the last couple of weeks? And Ryan Day said, yeah, for sure. You were asking about some mangoes. Want to follow up on that? Transcription service. Who said mangoes? We should do a weekly post that is just what well, the otter said it was. Yeah. In, in an otter transcription. They are <laughs> hilarious and sometimes I'm, like filthy. 
And now I'm trying to figure out what it actually was supposed to be. Yeah, I have no idea how to go. Sometimes I can be like, oh, I know what that's supposed to say. And then I go, let's do it. Yeah, that made sense. This one doesn't make any sense. (laughs) So uh, I I do think, but Stephen, do you think, do you think he should have handled anything differently today, Stephen? Or do you think he was sort of brutally honest and that's how it is at a place like Ohio State? No. I think he handled both press conferences the right way. I think after the game, when it's still raw and fresh on your mind, you just as a head coach fall on the sword and go until let me lo- go look at the film and then I'll have a better for answer for you on Tuesday, which is fine. In the moment, it's still emotional. I think after you look at that film and you see a lot of the things that the general public saw while also having the eye of a coach, you probably get a little more angry. You're not really sad that you lost anymore. You're upset at how you lost. So, no, I think it was. He did exactly what he should have done. And I, I even love the whole if Mark Pantone doesn't do his job from a recruiting standpoint, if, you know, Mick Marotti doesn't do his job from a strength conditioning point, if, I don't, then if everybody doesn't do their part, I can't do my job. I even like like that part because it's correct. If everybody doesn't do their part, you lose 35 to 28 at home to Oregon. I did think there was some of that that I thought was a little odd to the ear, though, because to me, it's like he's saying. If the other guys don't do their jobs, then I can't do my job, which is run the offense. Mm -hmm. And then that's a problem and that's bad for everybody. And actually, when you're the head coach, one of your main jobs is making sure everybody else does their job. So I don't think it's completely absolved of that because, frankly, you know what? Kevin Wilson could run the offense. And I do think we're going to get to a point. This is the thing that happens with every. It's mostly offensive guys. They get promoted because they're great play callers and you know what Mm -hmm. play calling is fun it is the best part you know what it's great to relate to teenagers i get it ah brotherhood whatever calling plays is fun man it's real life madden you have 11 actual humans who do what you tell them to do you run here you run there and the other guy says their guys run here and there and who wins even jim tressel people think jim tressel is a senator you know what jim tressel loved calling plays it's why Jim Trestle would never hire an offensive coordinator. People are like, why don't you hire Mike Martz? And Jim Trestle's like, because I like it, because I'm the boss and I want to do the fun thing. So all these guys, they're the boss. They got to be the boss by calling plays and they don't want to give it up. There was part of it today that was like, I don't know if you're exactly describing the duties of a head coach the right way, because it's not, it's not to just walk past the defensive room and be like, what's up, man? You know, like, And Urban, I mean, and and the other thing, too, is Urban, everyone knew Urban was meaner, right? I mean, like, Urban was on you. Now, he would reward you when you were good, but when you were bad, Urban was on you. There was no doubt about that. Ryan Day is like a little kinder, gentler version. So when Ryan Day is like, this isn't good enough, you're annoying me by not doing your job, it comes across a little weirder. Because like, if Urban Meyer is like, you know, Urban Meyer was very big in 2018 after Maryland loss. He was like, I had to go in in the defensive room and, and spend time in the defense room. I'm going to be in the defense room this week. I don't want to be in there. That's not where I usually am, but I have to do it, right? That's not, but he's mean. And I'm not like, I mean, but you guys know what I mean. Like, it's not. Is, was he right? always like that, though? This is the question. Because we all remember this is year three of Ryan Day being a head coach. Was Urban Meyer At Ohio always, State he was. I don't know. How, correct. Yeah, right. At the end of his career, after he'd done it for a while, and he had fully fallen into the CEO mode of what being a head coach is. Ryan Day is not there yet. He's still early stages, whereas you just pointed out, he's still calling plays. 
Yeah. He hasn't even given up that portion of it yet. And he probably won't for another four or five years here at least. So he hasn't, he's the head coach. Yes, but he hasn't fully fallen into the CEO mode the same way that we've seen with Nick Saban and Dabo Sweeney and on down the list, him and Oklahoma's head coach. They haven't done that yet. And that's part of it. And so that's why when they lose, they can still do the whole, Oh, my side did our job. Your side didn't do your job, which is, I mean, you're both sides though. So yeah. you did half of your job, but because you still have the mindset of I'm only worried about what I know, you can play the blame game a little bit more. Here's the other reason why this would rub me the wrong way. If I was an Ohio state fan, where does Ryan day need to be this week in order for you to beat Akron or Tulsa the next two weeks, uh, he could be at home. Like you don't need him in there, like scheming up crazy things probably to beat these defenses. Mm-hmm. Where does he need to be maybe for this defense to win games in October and November? It's probably in the defensive room for the next two weeks to help them figure this out and solve it. So I don't, I, I would dispute any allegation that he's making that somehow time he spends with the def- defense these next two weeks somehow prevents him from being able to lead the offense in these next two weeks and lead this offense well for the rest of the season plus supposedly you have a quarterbacks coach who can go in and handle the, the quarterback that you're developing too allegedly yeah. I, I, I was just going to point that out that's what it is i can't spend time with cj stroud now he has to be around Corey more if only people had first guessed some of these hires who knows so listen <laughs> this is why i'm a jerk see that's like like i relate to people who were jerks like everybody when my, when i come on here and i'm a jerk people aren't like oh <gasps> Doug's a jerk. It's like, no, I know Doug's a jerk. Here's the thing that I do think, and I like to spin, and some people think we get too much into the fantasy world. I like the fantasy world because I'm incredibly unhappy in my own life. I'm just kidding. That's not true. My life is a joke. It's so easy. Fuck, I just talk. (laughs) Just talk and eat wings. My God. What a joke. What a life I lead. Here's the thing. What if Ryan Day said this? Guys, that defensive effort was not good enough. It did not reach our standard, and that starts with me. I said it after the game. I'm going to say it again now. I'm not the defensive coordinator, but I am the head coach. This morning, I handed the offensive playbook to Kevin Wilson and said, good luck. I'm not going to see you for two weeks. Kevin Wilson is one of the best offensive coordinators in football. He doesn't need me. I am entrusting the offense to Kevin Wilson. This team needs me on the defensive side of the ball. I'm not a defensive expert, but I know how offenses attack defenses. And I'm not going to, I'm going to spend the next two weeks embedded with Kerry Combs and Al Washington and Larry Johnson and Matt Barnes and Parker Fleming, because we are going to make this better together. That was not good enough, but it is not on them. It is on us because although I came up on the offensive side of the ball, I am, I am the head of the defense too. They're running what I want to run. I hired every single one of these guys. I'm going to start wearing if the, if the offensive coaches wear white and the defensive coach wears black, I'm wearing black for the next two weeks because I am a defensive coach. Because when I'm the head coach, I am that. I'm everything. So Kerry knows that wasn't good enough, but it also wasn't good enough by me. And if this continues, we're going to have to make major changes. But for the next two weeks, we're going to get after it together. And I am going to hold myself to the same standard defensively that I'm going to hold every other defensive coach to because I'm a defensive coach because I'm the head coach and I'm not the head coach of half the team. I'm the head coach of the whole team. And that's where I'm needed right now. Thank God we have Kevin Wilson and Brian Hartline and Tony Alford and Greg Stoudrawa. They're okay without me. Let's get after it. I'm not going to take any questions about anybody's future. I don't know if we don't perform better the next two weeks. Maybe none of us will be here. 
next year. Right now, it's all hands on deck. And I am going to help carry and the rest of that defensive staff any way I can. Would that have been an option? I think it was exactly what I probably would have said. That's kind of what I was alluding to. I think you've got to say, and the other thing is like when you're an offensive mind, you have value in the defensive room because you can say, this is if I were, I'm going to put myself, I'm going to pretend I'm the offensive coordinator of the team. We're about to play. This is what I would do. And this is the thing that if you did it to me, I would be screwed. So let's do that. Like I, and I assume those, those things happen every week. They have to have those conversations. It's not like Ryan day never communicates with his defensive staff all week, but I think that it just deserves another level of scrutiny, especially when you're trying to figure out which players still that you could put on the field could do those things that you're talking about. I'm trying to poke holes in it. Um, I like it. I'm just trying to poke holes in it. I think, I think he had to choose who he was going to come up there and defend between C.J. Stroud and Kerry Combs, and he chose his quarterback. That's fair. He's an amateur, he, and Kerry yeah. Combs is making millions of dollars, so defend the quarterback first. I agree with that. But I also think there's a way that you could have said, I, compl- I 100% trust our offensive staff. I'll get back to C.J. in two weeks. I'm giving it two weeks, all hands on deck defensively. I'm very motivational. I wish I had a job where I could motivate people. I can't lead. I'm not sure I could lead people, but I could make speeches that motivate you for like three minutes. And then after I leave, you're like, "Eh, I don't know about that guy kind of was fired up in the moment, but in the end, I don't know. He was wearing pink headphones when he said it. I agree with you. Cause I think he could have one instilled more confidence in CJ by saying that. Cause it's like I want it's it's showing you're really not worried about him if you're going to take your hands off the wheel and go deal with the defense, but it also instills some faith in Corey Dennis because it's like I trust I didn't trust Corey Dennis with Justin at all. You stay away from him. He's coming with me, even if it had been a normal year. Justin Fields would have been by my hip every day. I trust you with C.J. Stroud, Corey Dennis, make him a national championship level quarterback. So I, I still yeah I think I agree that would have been a better thing to say. And I will say if in the end, one of the reasons that he feels like he couldn't do that is because he feels like he's needed with the quarterback. Then maybe you didn't hire the right guy to actually coach the quarterbacks. So maybe just don't hire a guy do what Oklahoma's doing and just be the quarterbacks coach. So I don't know. They are, I think they're a body short defensively right now. And there's no doubt about it. There might be two bodies short. So you know, because I think you could have like five full-time defense, a half defense, half special teams, four full-time offense in Ryan Day, and you'd be okay, right? I mean, for real, like Kevin Wilson. Kevin Wilson's the tight ends coach, please. Kevin Wilson is not the tight ends coach. Kevin Wilson is this design the offense coach, except the head coach is also the design, design the offense coach. Like you're duplicating things. Again, just like with receiver and quarterback and some of these things, they duplicate stuff on offense while they have holes on defense. And you can't make trades all right I'm here. Greg Madison. I'm here for ryan day i'm here for advice unwanted advice 24 hours a day buckeye talk we're going to get into this we're going to talk about losses that hurt and whether they are important parts of college football or not we're going to talk about that in the 14 playoff versus 12 team playoff world we're going to get into some of that on the what thursday pod i'm going to send a survey to the tech subscribers talking about losses that as much as this hurts, is it fundamental to the sport? 
that what would it be like if everybody was like, oh, it's kind of a bad loss. Oh, well, it doesn't matter. Nothing's changed. Now they got to get better. They got to get better. We'd still be saying, hey, is Kerry Combs the right guy? But like the loss itself wouldn't really matter. Is that better for the sport or worse? I think this is time to talk about it. We'll do that on Thursday. Then we'll preview the game on Friday. Tulsa, which is located in Oklahoma. All right. For Stephen and Nathan, I'm Doug. Thanks to you guys for listening. Interesting times in Buckeye Nation. I'm Doug Maurice, and that was Buckeye Talk. Buckeye Talk.